five, four, three, two, one. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. Here we go. It's game time. Unforgettable. Welcome to Sports and More, where almost anything goes. Coming to you from the marsh just outside of Edmonton, Alberta, here's your host, Dean Millard. That's one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. Nice to be in orbit. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Whatever time of day you are listening to this podcast, I just thank you for doing it. My name is Dean Millard, this is Sports and More, and it is indeed nice to be in the podcast orbit. Fantastic show lined up today. I'm really excited to bring you this interview. Yesterday was Father's Day, and we are going to have a father-son, also grandfather, uh, in studio as uh, Mark and Jordan Martinuk are going to drop by the marsh and discuss all things about uh, growing up, playing sports, getting traded, being a member of the Bunch of Jerks. It's an awesome interview that we'll bring you in two different parts uh, over the next little while in this podcast. So we have a lot of stuff lined up for you. We are going to uh, talk about a few things that have been uh, going on in the last little while, our Myron French question of the day is who is the most overpaid superstar in the NHL? Some thoughts on that. In our top three today, we are celebrating TV dads. Yesterday being Father's Day, we'll go with the top three TV dads and uh, we'll get some of your responses that you uh, sent to us on Twitter. Best or worst today is going to be the best piece of pork ever cooked on an open fire. It's just a beautiful, beautiful story. Goalie Geek Out, accompanied by Pele. Of course, uh, Sweet Bejesus is the uh, official band of Sports and More, and their song Pele, about the late Pele Lindbergh. It is a very touching story. You can get all their music on uh, Apple Music. Uh, but a Goalie Geek Out, accompanied by Pele today, we're talking Martin Brodeur and Patrick Waugh. The story behind this is I took a goalie that I loved growing up and a goalie that maybe I wasn't too crazy about for childish reasons, as you will find out. Last week it was Grant Fuhr. The reason I didn't like him he kept playing whenever I went to see Andy Moog. So as 12-year-old Dean Millard, he didn't like him. Uh, 43-year-old Millard loves Grant Fear. He is a wonderful gentleman, and uh, I would love to have him on this podcast at some point. Uh, we will, uh, as mentioned, bring you uh, Mark and Jordan Martinuk in a couple of different uh, segments uh, throughout the show. They stopped by the, uh, the marsh last week, actually, and we taped uh, the segment. In John Candy characters, we're going with Dewey Ox Oxburger from uh, Stripes. It's just a a phenomenal, funny movie. Um, There's a lot of good stars, so we'll get into that. Cool of the Week is about uh, the movie Shaft, and in our Obscenely Rich list today, it's going to be Random Acts of Kindness equals Big Time Dollars. So all of that uh, to come in the next little while. I thank you very much for uh, participating in the show and listening and subscribing. Please review the show. Let us know what you think and what you would like to hear. You can get in touch with us a number of different ways. On Twitter, it's at Duck Millard. On Instagram, at Sports and More Podcast. Our Facebook page, you can find it on Facebook, at Sports and More 35. 
And if you just want to email us, sportsandmore at gmail.com. So it was a really crazy week, uh, you know, starting last week in the world of sports. Uh, you, you fast forward to today is the parade day for the Toronto Raptors. Uh, you know, it was a great celebration for the Raptors to win an NBA championship. And like the Blue Jays did in the early 90s, the trophy flies north of the border or the banners will fly north of the border for the first time. We invented the game, so it's only fitting that Canada will hold the NBA title for at least one year, hopefully more, and we'll see what happens with uh, Kawhi Leonard. But it was strange, like so anticlimactic how that delay of the end of the game was. Uh, then there was that strange situation where Messiah Jerry wasn't allowed on the court and there was an alleged altercation. Uh, immediately after the win comes out, the Wizards are going hard after Masai and company from the Raptors front office, uh, that coming from Adrian Wojnarowski. Uh, and then two people shot at the, the parade today. The two uh, uh, non-life-threatening injuries, two people are in custody. Why can't people just enjoy this title? It's just crazy. Let's, you know, hopefully we can remember all the good things because there's been a lot of a bit of a dark cloud over this uh, title with some some negative news stories and you know, hopefully the positives come out of it and you know Kawhi Leonard resigns with the Raptors who knows um but yeah it was it's it's a great moment in Canadian history I will argue with some of the people that said it's the biggest moment in Canadian sports history I think there's a few others whether it be uh, Olympic titles in summer and winter moments that uh, but this is right up there as a uh, one of the biggest moments in Canadian sports and biggest stories in Canadian sports history. Another great story, the St. Louis Blues. That that should be a movie. It really, really should. Um, I think there'd be a, so many great, uh, uh, you know, John Hamm. Maybe he would want to get involved with. It. He's a massive Blues fan. So anyway, that was a it was a you know that was a bit anticlimactic too. The Blues uh, just took over in Game Seven. Um, you know, it's rare to get Game 7. The last one before that was 2011. Thankfully, the same thing didn't happen again with those uh, morons out west that are not hockey fans that uh, started those riots. But anyway, Craig Ruby is going to have a uh, fun summer negotiating. So will Jordan Bennington, who I thought should have won the Conn Smythe. But congratulations to the St. Louis Blues. You and Anybody in hockey looked at their roster going into the season and thought they were going to be pretty good. I'm not sure if anybody thought they were Stanley Cup champions, but nobody thought they should have been last on January 3rd. Nobody thought that, you know, whatever in November, I think it was, they should have fired their coach. They went out and got some pieces that helped them. And then they got a great goaltending performance out of Jordan Bennington. So it's, that's the beautiful thing about sports. Nobody was predicting on January 3rd that the Blues were going to round into form and win the Stanley Cup. Just like nobody was predicting they were going to be in last place at any point in the, that, that point of the season. So, you know, we could all look at Tampa Bay and everybody and their dog were picking Tampa Bay to win and hear the St. Louis Blues stroll away with the Stanley Cup. All right, from that celebration to something that is absolutely disgusting. It's the only word I can think of it. The uh, Sherbrooke Phoenix of the QMJHL are in the news thanks to Yaroslav Alexiev, who played there in 2016 and 2017. He's an overage player. I think he was playing in Finland, but he is still eligible for the NHL draft. I, I doubt he gets his name called, but his name is out there because he did an interview with a Russian uh, website over the weekend and described some of the rookie party antics that went on, and they are absolutely disgusting. I'm not going to go into detail because 
If you really want to know how bad it was, you can go search it out. But I will just say this. What he describes is sexual assault. Sexual assault is what he is describing. It is 2019. This does not deserve deserve to belong in anything, not just sports, in life. Whether you're going into any kind of business, there should be no type of hazing that includes sexual assault. So this really, really needs to be looked into. And, and I think in a criminal charge way, like this is disgusting. This is the only word I can think that is big enough to, and it doesn't even cover it. So uh, I, I really hope this gets cleared up because how could you send your kid off to play in, in a league? in that league, knowing that that still existed a couple of years ago. So terrible, terrible stuff. And I, I really hope this gets dealt with in a major, major way and in, in investigated. Uh, this Friday, the NHL draft in Vancouver, hopefully some big deals like in the NBA with Anthony Davis going to the Lakers. It's so hilarious. LeVar Ball saying he's happy and this is exactly what he wanted. Yeah, everybody in LA is happy that LeVar Ball will be off and out of their backs in LA with Lonzo. And now there are reports that the Lakers are trying to clear up cap space to bring Kawhi Leonard to L.A. It'd be a LeBron's uh, third uh, super team. That would that would be it. So, um, wow, that would be very interesting to see what happens with AD and Kawhi and long-term deals and things like that. So anyway, back to the NHL. The Penguins tried to trade Phil Kessel to the Minnesota Wild, according to reports. Phil said, nope, vetoed it. He's like, adios with those trade talks. I'm getting out of here. Or I'm staying put, rather. Uh, now Kessel at that, uh, earlier, uh, had the 30th highest cap at 8 million and that goes until 2022. He has had 92 and 82 point seasons the last two years. He's still a good player, but they're looking to, uh, clear up cap space. Now I said he had the 30th highest because San Jose locks up Eric Carlson to an eight year, $92 million deal, $11.5 million cap hit. It's a $5 million raise per year uh, at 29 years old. He has missed 45 games over the past three seasons. We saw the uh, the gruesome uh, ankle injury, um, and then but before that, he went three straight years without missing a game. So he was durable. You just have to wonder. He just looked so bad, and and not Eric Carlson in the playoffs with injuries. So he was very healthy, and then not so much in the last little while. Listen. I don't think anybody's looking at it and saying, yeah, he it, it's a great deal to sign him for eight years. It's a long, it's too long of a deal. And uh, the, the cap hit is massive. But if the Sharks win a cup or two during the deal, and he's still part of it, he's not bought out, then how can you say it's not worth it? The goal is to win the Stanley Cup. If you win it, well, Eric Carlson contributes during this contract I think it's a, it's a win. That's the gamble you have to take. That window is closing before they have to start all over again or try to rebuild on the fly. So I understand why they did it. I don't like the length of the deal and the, the cap hit for hopefully, you know, he rebounds and, and has a, a renaissance in the uh, 30s uh, because what we saw the last couple of years, it's uh, not worth $11.5 million. So hopefully he gets healthy and it's a good deal. If they win the cup, it's great. If not, it's just going to look at another deal that, uh, you know, if, if Eric Carlson struggles uh, to, f- to fulfill the point production that he did before and, and not be able to skate because of injuries, then this is a, a massive, massive, will be a massive misfire by uh, Doug Wilson and company in San Jose. But listen, I, 
Like I said, I don't like the term of it, and I'm sure the Sharks don't, but what are you going to do? Let one of this guy walk. You got him and Burns. You've got some pretty impressive guys there. You need to, I think, they're, they're going for it. They're, they're going for it. And uh, you know what? I, I at least applaud. Uh, it's just like what uh, Columbus did at the deadline. They went for it. So I, I like guys like that. And we'll see. Hopefully it pans out for the San Jose Sharks. Hmm. What's on my mind today? <laughs> I don't know. You want answers? I don't know what the hell he wants. Let's get into things. Let's get real. This is the Myron French question of the day. The question I'll read you loud and clear. inspired by Myron French, my high school law teacher who started every class with a question of the day, and sometimes it would um, take up the whole class. It was awesome. It was one of the best classes ever. I uh, did not learn a whole lot about the law, but I enjoyed myself for that hour in grade 12 semester. So uh, the Myron French question of the day. Uh, the Crocus Plains alumni will uh, know exactly who I'm talking about. Also ran the chip truck. Just one of the, you know, the best chips uh, that uh, I've ever had uh, in my life. Anyway, who is the most overpaid superstar in the NHL is the Myron French question of the day. Threw this out on uh, Twitter, at Duck Millard, where you can give me a follow if you like. And Smooth Oil says, Ryan Johansson does not put up enough points to justify his contract. Paid like a superstar, but can't even hit 20 goals. Oil City Bin says, Austin Matthews. Uh, uh, vote for Jamie Ben, which I would uh, not agree that he's overpaid. I think he's a really... Strong power forward. Corey Perry getting a vote. I'll get to him in a second. Another for Austin Matthews. Eric Carlson uh, says uh, 65 by a mile. Uh, as of today, Eric Carlson from Buster underscore MB. Honorable mention to Jonathan Taves. And uh, Chris Crush 1 says Jonathan Taves, $42 million cap hit over the next four seasons. And another one, I hate to say it because I love him as a player, especially when he plays for Canada, but I have to say Jonathan Taves. So it's interesting. When you look at Taves, he has a $10.5 million cap hit. He has delivered three Stanley Cups, none during this massive contract that runs until 2023. Now, he did have 35 goals and 81 points last year, so maybe he's going to have an Eric Stahl-like bounce back in his career. And, you know, I think you get... This is one guy that I think you get a lot more. There is a complete game, and there's a massive leadership quality to that, and 35 goals is pretty good. So I know Jonathan Taves is uh, you know, probably because I think he had 20 goals. He hadn't hit 30 in a while. So we'll see what he has moving forward. But judging on last season, yeah, I think $10.5 million is overpaid, but it's get, he's getting closer to it from the from the production he had before. He's getting closer to it with a season like he had last year. Corey Perry's name was brought up, $8.6 billion. He was a superstar who scored 50 goals, but just six goals in 31 games last year, and that's a, it's a terror. Now, there, there's talk of him being bought out and the Oilers going after him. I would, it, 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 like, I remember, remember, like, Timo Solani during the lockout, uh, you know, came back and was fantastic. And I remember the Oilers were going after Paul Correa and, and I even had Craig Simpson on the set at Global Television and we were off camera and I said, you guys should go after Solani on the ice that you guys have. He's going to be rested. And, you know, they were focused on Paul Correa at the time and that didn't uh, uh, work out. And then Solani bounced back, obviously, and uh, won a Stanley Cup with the Ducks. So Corey Perry, if you can bring him in on some kind of incentive-laden deal, short-term, and then he turns, if he can score and be healthy, because he's got to be healthy, he's not playing a lot of games, I would investigate it. But 
Uh, there's no way I'd be giving Corey Perry any anything any anything close to a long-term deal. So my pick was mentioned in one of the tweets, and it's Ryan Johansson from the Nashville Predators. Yeah, I like this player, and I liked him when he was in Portland, but he signed an eight-year, $64 million deal that goes until 2025. He just does not produce $8 million worth of points. He had one 30-plus goal season. His top-end point total is 71 in a season. And since signing the deal with Nashville, he has delivered only 179 points in 241 games. 37 points in 47 playoff games. You might say that he's paid for his all-around game, but you can't. he's not Jonathan Taves. And he doesn't have that leadership aspect, I don't think, and I've never heard of, Jonathan Taves. But his point totals have to be higher. So for me, I'm going with uh, Ryan Johansson, uh, but there's obviously a bunch of worthy candidates out there. And after July 1st, there'll be a bunch more because everybody, every team, always overpays in free agency. Three, two, one, and liftoff. Let's go! Time for your top three. Liftoff and the clock has started. Roger, zero G, and I feel fine. Beautiful, beautiful. In our top three today, inspired by Father's Day as of uh, yesterday, happy birthday, Jim Millard, <laughs> happy Father's Day, Jim Millard. It was his birthday on June 6th, so he gets to double dip in the uh, the month of June. But so in honor of Father's Day, we are asking for your top three TV dads. And uh, we threw this out on Twitter, at Duck Millard as well, and uh, got some good responses. Some of them uh, were repeats, and, and then you know that was a, it was a good character. But uh, Dallas Rocks, Ross Hicks, Esquire, good Brandon boy, King George, uh, junior high in uh, elementary school, uh, says uh, three, spark plug with wiki from Transformers. The dude could fix alien robots, for crying out loud. Uh, number two, Al Bundy, married with children. It says he's the most real dad on TV. And uh, number one, Brack's dad from the Brack show always had the best advice. Uh, so I did not uh, watch, I did watch Transformers, but I don't know who uh, the uh, character was. Of course, I watched Married with Children and I never watched the Brack show, but uh, good suggestions there. Uh, Adam Stevens, 82 on Twitter says, uh, Phil Dumphy, Al Bundy, Tim Taylor. Uh, Chris Crush, one, Al Bundy, Uncle Phil. And Tim the Toolman Taylor, honorable mention to Ned Stark. Uh, well, he tried. Ned Stark, uh, he, uh, if you, if, I don't want to be in a big of a spoiler if you haven't got into Game of Thrones, but uh, uh, Ned Stark um, impacting that show for a long time as a father. Uh, K Klaus 10 on Twitter says Tim the Toolman Taylor, Al Bundy, Homer Simpson. Happy Father's Day to all dads out there. And uh, Scott P47. Number three, Homer Simpson. Number two, Peter Griffin. And number one, Frank Costanza. Well, yeah, you know, the, you bring out the uh, feet of strength and Festivus. It's uh, just that alone is uh, pretty impressive when it comes to Frank Costanza. So I went with, uh, had uh, two honorable mentions. Two Italian dads off TV. Two Tonys. Uh, Tony Maselli, Tony Soprano. Uh, one stole home base in the credits. The other stole truckloads of VCRs to sell and uh, support their family, but they both love their family. So uh, Soprano, Maselli, who's the boss uh, from the Sopranos? Uh, those are my honorable mentions. And number three, I'm going with uh, Philip Banks. I love Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. I would race home from hockey to be able to make sure I didn't uh, miss an episode or watch it on uh, VHS. Or we, had, we were a beta family. 
Um, yeah, we were we were beta and Blue Thunder. So take that VHS and Airwolf. But anyway, uh, I love Philip Banks. Um, he was just uh, had a had a obviously a very strict side, but did have a funny side to it. Uh, I loved 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 Fresh Prince of Bel Air, and Philip Banks was pretty big. Number two, Ho- uh, Homer Simpson. Um, I'm a huge Simpsons fan. Listen, I know there are people out there, Connor Halley, I'm looking at you, that are Simpsons snobs that only watch certain episodes. I watch anything from The Simpsons. I don't watch it as much anymore just because I'm busy and I just, I, I bet you there's three shows I, I watch on a regular basis now, but um, I, I will watch a Simpsons episode, especially if I haven't seen it. I did watch the Canadian one uh, earlier this year and I thought that was funny. So Homer Simpson, he is... Uh, the biggest buffoon, right? But he's a lovable buffoon, and he never really gets into too much serious trouble. And he just like he he was such a a part of uh, me growing up. And you know, uh, you know, you you identify as Bart Simpson when you're a kid and you're watching the show, and then you get older and you start identifying a little bit as Homer. So Homer Simpson uh, for me is number two, and uh, the number one TV dad for me, Howard Cunningham. I would watch Happy Days every day after school came on and Brandon at like four o'clock, I would either race home and get my papers done or, and then watch uh, happy days, or I would just watch happy days and then the papers would be delivered late. And Howard Cunningham was, he was just level headed. Uh, he was not excitable, uh, but it was just, uh, it was a dad. I really thought, oh, that could be my dad. And, and that's kind of the, the point of this uh, top three. So uh, Philip Banks, Homer Simpson, and Howard Cunningham from Happy Days. Uh, by the way, if you were a fan of Happy Days, you should check out the show Barry with Henry Winkler in it. Of course, the Fonz. It's a really, really great show. All right, before we bring in our guests of this episode, let's get to know the Martinucks in this week's bio. Time for the bio. Jordan Martinuck was born in Brandon, Manitoba and moved with his father Mark, mother Wendy, and sister Ashley to Mooseman and Estevan, Saskatchewan before they settled on Leduc, Alberta in 2001. Jordan played all kinds of different sports before hockey became serious in his teens and he credits getting cut from a junior team as a turning point in his career. He was drafted by the Arizona Coyotes 58th overall in 2012, and after 247 games with the X-Jets, he was traded to Carolina last summer, where he eventually became a member of the Bunch of Jerks and was KO'd post-game by former heavyweight champion Evander The Real Deal Holyfield. Jordan married his wife Courtney three years ago in July, and they welcomed a son Chase to the world in January. Welcome to the uh, studio, Mark and Jordan Martinuck, uh, now of Leduc, but uh, the backstory is uh, you were born in Brandon, uh, never lived there, but uh, it's good that you were born in Brandon because that's where I grew up, and then you, your family moved around a little bit and uh, you guys uh, settled in Leduc. Uh, I guess, Mark, why you guys ended up in Leduc? The oil patch brought us to Leduc. Yeah. That's what it was. Excellent. Yeah. Jordan, what was growing up in uh, Leduc like for you? Yeah, it was good. Uh, played played all minor hockey through Leduc. Uh, I was in a hockey program there, uh, and then obviously went on to the LJC, and then I was obviously went on to other places too. But uh, yeah, I've all I still got a, a bunch of buddies from back in uh, minor hockey, and 
just through I went to I guess three or four different schools in Leduc too just because we moved uh, across town and yeah I, it, I obviously I like it because I come back there in the summer I have a house there now and uh, it's close to family and uh, we go out to we're at Pigeon Lake my wife's family and um, my family so we kind of rotate back and forth between the two of them and yeah it's a good good gig we got going on. Tell me about sports you played growing up. Uh, was it always hockey? Were there other things? Uh, I'm a jack of all trades. I played pretty much everything. I was uh, football. I was big into football. Um, I was actually playing uh, peewee double A and like uh, peewee football at the same time. And my coach uh, didn't. My hockey coach didn't really like that. And or no, it was the football coach. Football coach didn't really like that, and he was telling me to pick and. I told him, oh, I'm going to hockey, so I guess I'm done. And then he called me a couple days later. He goes, hey, we, it's okay. You can come <laughs> back and play both. So uh, it, I, I was pretty good little football player. And I didn't really grow till second-year Bantam, so I was a little tiny running back. It was pretty fast, pretty slippery. And, uh, yeah, I really liked football. But then at that at one point, you, you got to switch, and I made the switch. And, uh, other, I played roller hockey. I played ball hockey. I played lacrosse for a couple of years. Uh, I had a couple of buddies that played uh, fastball. Uh, I never played for a full year, but they'd always, if they needed a guy, I'd go out and play with them. And now I'm on a men's slow pitch team every <laughs> summer uh, in Wetaskiwin. Uh, and I played beach volleyball every summer wow. right now. And, uh, yeah, I'm trying to think what else I, I did growing up, but yeah, I did, uh, did a lot of everything, played basketball in junior high and, uh, yeah. And then one, I feel like once you kind of get to grade nine, grade 10, you're, you got to dial into one, one thing. And I still did the little bit of stuff in the summer, but for the most part, it was just hockey. Mark, did you do uh, coaching uh, as Jordan grew up in a lot of these sports or just to encourage him to do as much as possible and not just play hockey year-round? Was it uh, was that the kind of the game plan for you guys? No, I coached hockey a little bit back in Estevan when he was back there. But other than that, I worked on the road, so I couldn't really commit to much. Mm-hmm. So I was just his number one fan. And encouraging him to try as many things as possible? Yes. Like that, that seems to be... Um, you know, I, I think uh, when you get to a certain age, sure, yeah, you, you, you specialize a little bit more, but, you know, playing as many different sports as possible, I think creates not only a well-rounded athlete, but a, a, a son as well. You can't just play one sport. You got to diversify, I guess. Do you think that's important for today's kids? If I go out and talk to kids or if I'm talking to a hockey team, it's, that's the number one thing I say. It's, and I, I feel like, it's gone away from that. Everybody's hockey academies and they're, everybody's dialed in to off. They're in skill development all the time and all this stuff. And that's how kids burn out. I feel like, and you want to, you want to love the game. I'm 27 years old playing in the NHL and I still love going to the rink every day. And it's so much fun. So I feel like if I were back in the day, if I would have been hammering on it all the time, then that mindset might be different. And I, you develop different skills too, playing other stuff. You like football. It was all about quick feet and stuff. And you can, everything translates to other sports. And I, I, every time I talk to a team or parents, even I, I try and get that message across. And, uh, some people listen, some people Mm -hmm. don't, but, um, I, I think it's 
definitely uh, definitely a big part in today's today's game. But on the other end of it, all these kids are in skill development from age six, and if they can stick with it, then they're going to be pretty good hockey players it's and a gunning, diff- gunning for my job in a couple of years. Yeah, it's a different kind of breed of athlete. Uh, you know, after the year 2000, it seems to be a little bit uh, more specialized. For you, growing up playing hockey, were you always uh, like tier AAA um, or were you uh, like – because I think that, you know, I, I – from Brandon and uh, um, went to school with, with uh, a guy who played in the NHL and Bryce Salvador, and he didn't play tier three or tier two or tier one rather, uh, or triple A growing up. And then as he grew, he grew into that and became a you know an NHL player and a, and a captain. Uh, what was your minor hockey journey like? Uh, so till I played Pee Wee Double A, Adam Double A, I guess growing, and then when I got to Bantam, uh, I tried out for the triple A team. My first year, I got cut. Uh, played Bantam Double A. Um, and then the next year I made Bantam AAA, uh, first year midget, uh, got cut. And then I played 15 AAA in the Alberta 15 league. That's a great league. And That's a great league. probably one of my favorite years of hockey, uh, in minor hockey. And then the next year I made Drayton Valley, but, uh, wasn't exactly playing that I, I had, I think four points in my first five games and I was playing four or five minutes a night. <laughs> And I was miserable. I was in I was in a billet house with three other guys, and I was in the just kind of the basement out in the open room. I didn't have any privacy, and I was 16 years old. So I uh, ended up coming home and playing ba- uh, midget AAA that year, and then the next year I went and played uh, all in Drayton Valley for my 17-year-old year, and then it was uh, played there for a year in Vancouver for two, and then off to pro pretty accelerated journey <laughs> so it's 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 a great story i think for uh a 10 11 12 year old kid right now that's been cut from a triple a AAA team you know mark that my nephew played in that rem 15 league and he it was awesome we used to go watch it. it was competitive they developed but for you watching him you know he gets cut and you you encourage him and things will get better and certainly they do it's a it's a good story for other kids and parents i think mark oh yeah it's great like Midget minor was probably the best year of hockey we've had. And as a family, our coach wasn't trying to get to the AJ or the dub. He was there for the boys. We went to Halifax to a tournament. We won the whole tournament. Like, it was just so much fun. M15 is, like you said, the best league. I still go watch them at home. Like, I like that league. Mm -hmm. They should be drafted out of there. You shouldn't be drafted at 14. I agree with you, and uh, that's a, a, a drum I've been banging for a number of years, but uh, it is what it is, and there's schooling involved with the Americans, and that, that's a whole other show, but I think that's a good message is that, you, you know, listen, you, you might get cut a couple of times, but it's not the end of the world, and it doesn't mean you can't go on to a productive career or life because the very few people we know get to the NHL. Yeah, I also I got cut from the Western League two years in a row too, and uh, so at 17, I got my outright release from Lethbridge and, wow. uh, I was thinking that, okay, I'm going to go play in Drayton and hopefully I can have two good years and, or three good years and get a scholarship. But that was my mindset completely changed after that. And obviously I had a good year in Drayton Valley when I was 17 and then Vancouver listed me and then the rest, I decided to go there and but yeah I was in I was listed with uh, Lethbridge when I was 
just after or just before I was 16. So I was there for my 16 year old year. And then obviously that's, that's tough for a listed kid to make it at 16, but 17, I felt like I was, I was definitely good enough to make that team. And then I didn't play an exhibition game and they gave me my outright release. And, uh, honestly, I think that's probably one of the better things that happened in my career. So yeah, it's, uh, it's crazy sometimes that even when you think that it's going the other way, then looking back, that was probably one of the better things that happened to me in, in my career, for sure. Great message for kids that, uh, that it's, you know, you might get cut. It just creates motivation. Michael Jordan got cut one time. And <laughs> so, uh, it happens to a lot of people. What was your, uh, what was your favorite minor hockey memory as a kid? Was the, is there one that really stands out? Uh, I think it'd probably be that just the whole year of my mid, my mid 15 year, just cause I played with, all my buddies that and obviously I wanted to play on the triple a team I was the last cut I, I you're 15 you want to make the triple a team it just gives you I don't know all the bragging rights or it's you're playing against better guys I feel like some or of your older friends guys. are on yeah. that team exactly but I had all my buddies growing up with on that team and it was I was probably one of the I I was the leading scorer kind of the go-to guy and it uh I don't know. It was just a good team to play on, and it was a lot of fun. So I'd be we. I think we were out in the second round, but it was still still a good year. Yeah, like you don't remember a whole lot of games specifically when you're growing up. Like I remember playing mini sticks and hallways and things like that, and water slides, and those are the things that I remember. And then you get a little bit older, and you know whatever you're you're having fun. So what? So so you get drafted 58th overall. Uh, Nikita Kucherov also taken 58th overall the year before you. Yeah. Jeremy Colleton, who's now coaching in Chicago. Uh, not a whole lot of other guys, so it's good, good company for you. Uh, what was your I made it moment in the NHL? And, you know, you're a veteran now, and we'll get to being traded in a second, but was there a moment where you thought, not that you're ever secure thinking I, I, I can put my feet up, but, like, I'm in the NHL. What was that moment? Uh, it, was, it probably would have been... Definitely, it was definitely my first year. Um, my, I was still in. It was after. It had to be after my first goal because I we were playing Pittsburgh. It was the game winner. Obviously, you're playing against Crosby. You're playing against Malkin, um, and it was, it was just the game winner against those guys. You're, and then I, uh, I was still in the hotel at the time, and. Uh, I, I was by myself, nobody else was there, and I drove uh, drove back to the hotel that I was staying at, and I picked up In-N-Out Burger on the way, awesome. and I was sitting there uh, just going through all the messages and all the tweets on my phone and eating my In-N-Out Burger, and I just sat, I just leaned back on the chair, and I was like, wow, this is, this is it, and then uh, two days later, I got my housing letter, and I think that's another moment when you're like, okay, I'm, well, they're told, telling me to find a place to live, so that's another another step and then yeah it just uh once you're once you feel like you're you're there you don't want to you you do everything you can to give it up and I actually had a moment that year where I was like if I I was like I might be getting sent down and I just I just had that feeling where it's like I, I had two bad games and I was just scared and we went into Detroit and I had a goal and an assist and then I was like, okay, I'm back. And I got some confidence and then I just kind of took off for the rest of the year. Oh, that's amazing. Mark, what was it like seeing your son score an NHL goal for the first time? It was awesome. It was awesome. Watching at home, were you? Yeah, yeah. we watched the pit, that Pittsburgh goal at home, but 
Wendy and me were in California, and they played in Bakersfield against the Condors. Yeah. No, and, it was against the. It was against L.A. in Bakersfield. Oh, it was against the yeah. Kings in Bakersfield. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Oh, okay. So that was before they changed the leagues around. Right. Yeah. And then George, they were going to San Jose or going to L.A. to play, and George's like, "I'm not playing in L.A. You guys go to San Francisco for your few days and check it out and have fun." So we're driving to San Francisco and we get in this little Starbucks and our phone blows, our phones just blow up. Like, what's going on? George's trying to get a hold of us. Ashley's trying to get a hold of us. So we phone him and George's like, I'm playing in LA tonight. Like, are you guys coming back? We're six hours out of LA. The game's at six o'clock and this is two o'clock in the afternoon. So I looked at my wife and I said, Wendy, if you sit there and be quiet, I will make it to Staples Center. (laughs) So we got, I had a Dodge Challenger, a white Dodge Challenger. I'll never forget. She sat in the passenger seat, never said a word. Quarter to six, we were sitting in the parking lot of Staples Center. That night, he scored a shorthanded goal. I looked at her, and she had tears rolling down her cheeks, and I had tears. And I said, he's not going anywhere. He's staying on the Coyotes. That that must have been a hell of a drive. Oh, yeah, 100 mile an hour all the way. Good thing there was no troopers. Oh, that's great. That shorthanded goal helped, though, because our whole the whole preseason, the Coyotes scored five goals. Oh, that's yeah, right. I yeah. was part of two of them, so I was like, okay, look, I'm, I'm an offensive dynamo in preseason. We scored five goals, <laughs> six games or something. Oh, that's good. So have you met your – who was your hockey hero growing up? Like who was your – Eric Lindros. Uh, did you – have you met him? No, I've never met no, him. You never? No. Mark, who was your hockey hero growing up? Have you have you met him through Jordan, or have you met some pretty cool people? I met lots of cool guys yeah. through Jordan. Me and Ty Domi became pretty close on the dad's trips because nice. Max and Jordan were in Arizona. I still talk to Ty quite a bit. Um, I'm pretty good friends with Ronnie Hackstall. Former Weeking. So, I don't know. I, never, I guess I'd have to say either Bobby Clark or Reggie Leach. I was a big Flyers fan when I was a kid. I loved the Broad Street Bullies. Yeah, well, they were... Uh, they were fun to watch. So you get uh, you're in Arizona for a, a spell, and you get traded to Carolina. Um, how did you find out you were traded? Uh, I had actually started working out uh, back with all the guys in there. I stayed in Arizona later that year just because we had bought and uh, bought a house and wanted to enjoy it, and we sit by the pool, and enjoy the. 40, 40 degree weather instead of come back to Alberta and battle the snow in April yeah. or May. But yeah, May uh, long weekend, yeah. Yeah, so we stayed down there. I was, uh, there was like six or seven of us that had started working out and uh, just, uh, I think I had gone to the bank and I was on my way home from the bank and, oh, I yeah, I yeah I was on the phone with him on the way home from the bank and then I had this Phoenix number come up on my phone. I was like, hey, I'll call you back. Like, I don't know who this is. Uh, answer it and it's uh our gm and he i was like he's like hey it's john chike and in my mind i'm like what are you doing calling me it's like the middle of may leave me like, alone yeah kind of thing. i was like well i just talked to you like a month ago about my our exit meeting or and uh so he he gets on the phone and he goes so i i have some it could be potentially good news or bad news the way whatever way you want to take it and i was like okay well what what's what's that all about and he goes i just traded you to carolina and then at first I'm like, it's playoffs are going on. I was like, can you even trade me right now? <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, yeah, we traded you to Carolina for Marcus Kruger. Uh, it was 
thank you for and then he just said the gm yeah, yeah, yeah. the the billy bean right, money yeah. ball speech there. somebody's gonna call you yeah and then he goes yeah you'll hear from somebody and thanks for everything he did and that was it i love the billy bean money ball speech yeah so then i called him back right away and i was like i just got traded and he's like what and because i had a feeling it could have been coming but not during playoffs and maybe the next year at the deadline or something but yeah, it was uh, odd timing, but honestly, that's if I could get traded. If I get traded again, I want it to be then because you have all summer to kind of prepare, no get kidding. get your stuff ready. And the only the only tough part is is you don't know anybody. You come in blind, and uh, you don't really hear from anybody in the summer. Um, I had like a couple guys reach out, but other than that, it's you're coming in completely blind. I felt like a rookie, but like I just kept my mouth shut, and then. Uh, a couple of weeks go by and then I can, I let loose a bit, but yeah, it was, uh, it was definitely interesting. So that must've been a weird phone call to get back for you to be like, holy mackerel, I was just talking to you. You were a, a coyote. Now you're a hurricane. It was very weird. I had to pull over. I was, <laughs> I was floored. The fans in Arizona loved, well, he's loved in Carolina too, but they loved him in Arizona and I never thought he was going to get traded. He's like, dad, I just got traded to Carolina. And I was like, what? Because yeah, Chai, that was Chaika on the phone. I was like, just hang on. So I had to pull over, and it's like, really? Had to get a whole new wardrobe. As yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Go right to the sports store and get a, uh, a Canes jersey. It was the best of times. It was the worst of times. This is best or worst. We're going to get back to uh, Mark and Jordan Martinuk uh, in a second. Some really great, fun stories about uh, dad's trips and much more with the uh, Martinucks. But right now, let's do best or worst. And uh, going with best this time, a couple of weeks of uh, worst stories, but we're going to have a happy one today. And this is the best pork I've ever tasted that was cooked on a fire. So uh, I don't know really how many years ago this was. I'm uh, bad with uh, dates and stuff like that. But uh, it was a good friend of mine's uh, stag. And we were camping near, uh, I think it was near like Dixon Dam. It was a provincial park uh, in uh, Alberta, um, I guess central Alberta. And so a bunch of us Manitobans got together to camp. And growing up, we drank club beer. So to get into the campground, into the stag, you had to shotgun a club beer. Uh, yeah, this is when I was younger and <laughs> I don't do a lot of shotgunning of beers anymore, but you had to shotgun a, uh, can of club. And I thought, um, you know, for this uh, particular event, I was going to bring something special to the party. So I, I, I got the Gatlin gun together, which, uh, if you listen to the cannabis One Hundred One podcast, uh, you'll know, I was talking about it last week. Uh, that's where you get a bunch of, uh, uh, marijuana joints and you wrap them all together. So you have like five or six, uh, joints wrapped in paper and it looks like a Gatling gun from the old Western days. So that lasted the whole weekend and, and longer. Um, but anyway, uh, for, for, for me and some of the others that enjoyed, uh, the, uh, and, and still do enjoy the cannabis, uh, we had a Gatling gun that weekend, but that's not the highlight of the story. The highlight of the story is my friend, the groom who was, uh, just, he is a spectacular, uh, chef, uh, wine sommelier, my buddy Smitty, throws this uh, beautiful piece of pork on the fire. And we're like, okay, well, let's uh, slow cook it, I guess. 
And we put it on the fire at about uh, 10 in the morning on day two. Uh, night one was, uh, was a fun one. But uh, day two, we put it on, on the fire, cooking over, the, over just the uh, fire. And then we proceeded to go about our business. So we put it on about uh, 10 in the morning. Just toured around the campground. Did the, Some stray dog showed up. And we were like, uh, uh, you know, t- consumed by this dog. It was uh, it an interesting stray dog and some weird things and things like that. But we were having some fun. We went to actually a bar to have a, have a beer to celebrate. The stag came back. This thing cooked all day slow cooked and we were like oh i guess well we'll see how it is and listen i've learned to never doubt my buddy smitty when it comes to food it was it's the it's like up there with like the top three pieces of pork i've ever had in my life we do a pretty mean pork belly taco here at uh, the mildeco ranch podcast alley but this pork was so delicious it was tender it was just like it was so good we ate all of it. Like it was a giant piece of pork. Like it was, it was pretty big and we were supposed to save it for some other guys. They showed up late. We we're like, screw it. We're eating it. It was so good. So that is uh, best or worst. The best piece of pork cooked over an open fire. Nothing better than something slow cooked, uh, literally slow cooked all day, uh, while you were out enjoying wilderness. This is Goalie Geek Out, accompanied by Pele. That is the song you are hearing right now underneath me by Sweet Bejesus. It is about the late, great Pele Limburg. You can listen to any of Sweet Bejesus on Apple Music. So today I'm going with uh, Patrick Waugh and Martin Bruder. And Goalie Geek Out is, uh, I'm a goalie, or I was when I played hockey. I grew up uh, my whole life playing goal. I love Andy Moog. He is my favorite of all time. Last week we did Moog Fear. So Goalie Geek Out is a segment where it's going to talk about a couple of goalies. One I really liked, one I didn't like growing up. Um, I'm not that childish anymore to think that I don't like Grant Fuhrer because he plays instead of Andy Moe. But I'm going with uh, Patrick Walmart Temperature, and this is kind of just like a fun personal thing. Uh, I just talked about uh, the great uh, piece of pork that we ate uh, with my buddy Smitty uh, making the, uh, the meal preparations at his own stag. He's a big Marty Berto fan, huge, huge, huge Devils fan. And so I kind of like just pick Patrick Waugh because it's a great ongoing debate between us since we met. And uh, listen, their, their numbers are, are incredible. Uh, you know, Patrick Waugh won the Calder Cup in the AHL and of course came up the next year and won the Cup in Montreal. Did it again in 93, gets traded to Colorado, wins the Cup in 96 and 2001. So he's got four Cups. Three of them, Conn Smythe, which I think is the most important trophy in individual trophy in sports. Um, the playoff MVP, that's when you want to be the best. Uh, the Jennings Trophy, you won it like five times. It was always shared with Brian Hayward, but Waugh did the bulk of the work. Uh, like uh, uh, Larry's dad wrote the bulk of Brandon in The Big Lebowski. Uh, he won the Vesna Trophy three times as the best goaltender and various uh, all-star awards. And then, you know, Patrick Waugh's gone on do some interesting things in the uh, coaching world. The most NHL playoff games by a goaltender is held by Patrick Waugh, 247. Um, The most playoff wins is held by Patrick Waugh at 151. He was the first goalie to play 1,000 games, uh, then was passed by 
Martin Brodeur, and he was the first tech goalie to win 500 games. So th those are the numbers for Patrick Waugh. Obviously, Martin Brodeur, all-rookie team in 94, uh, won the Calder. He was uh, a Stanley Cup champion three different times, has won the Vesna four times in his career, and the, the Jennings a whole bunch of times. And he obviously uh, played uh, the bulk of that. He was also nominated uh, three times for the uh, Hart Trophy. I think... I, I just like Patrick Waugh better. I just, uh, you know, the con smice for me. Uh, but, you know, I didn't, I, I do, would always pick Patrick Waugh over Martin Brodeur because my buddy was a big Brodeur fan. They're both great. Uh, Waugh has gone on to do some coaching. Brodeur has done some commercials. Uh, so they're phenomenal Hall of Fame goaltenders. And uh, I liked uh, Patrick Waugh. He was brash, he was cocky. And uh, I, I kind of like that style in my hockey players. So that's why I went with uh, Patrick Waugh over Martin Brodeur in Goalie Geek Out, accompanied by Pele. Okay, let's get back to the interview that we brought you the first half of with uh, Jordan and Mark Martinuk. And uh, we left off him getting traded to Carolina. And that's where we will uh, pick things up with Jordan and Mark Martinuk. This uh, Carolina hurricane storm that you guys created. And uh, first of all, let's talk about the post-game celebrations. I love them. Uh, and we'll get into detail more. And I'm sure uh, a bunch of jerks is going to come up. But... How did those start? What where, what was the, like, we've heard this great story about the St. Louis Blues watching a football game and how Gloria started. How did these celebrations come about? Uh, so I, I guess it was last summer when uh, they decided that they were going to name uh, Justin Williams the captain. Uh, Tom Dundon, the owner, uh, kind of went to him and said, uh, he had bought the team at the end of the year before, so he he wanted to kind of revamp things. And he went to Willie and he goes, "What are your? Do you have any ideas of how we can get fans more engaged or get more people out to the games? Because obviously, uh, the, I guess before last year, when you think of Carolina Hurricanes, you think of empty buildings and not a whole lot of success. So." Uh, he said to Willie, what, what do you think we could do? And they started brainstorming a little bit and they came up with just do a little thing after the game, not your typical go to center ice and put your sticks up in the air like most teams do and just add like a little wrinkle to it. And, uh, and they, then that was it. And training camp started and we got our team and Willie did a little team meeting and said, Hey, we're going to try something different to keep our fans engaged and, uh, this is what we're doing. If you don't like it, come see me sort of thing. And everybody, Do you think was, anybody did? No, everybody was on, on board. Cause when you're a hockey player, you want to play in a full rink or you want, you don't want half the stands to be empty. And we're, everybody was kind of on the same page. Whereas, Oh, maybe if we do this, it'll work or get some, uh, get some fans in the stands. And then obviously it started pretty, we'd skate down the ice and jump into the boards or do something like that. And then as the year went on, it grew and we got uh, more creative with it. And so who, did you guys hire somebody to, or is this all no, straight all from us. the dressing yeah. room? That's straight somebody from Somebody would just come meal. up with an idea yeah. and then you guys would run with it. Yeah. Pre-game meal. It would, we'd sit there, we called it the think tank and we, everybody had eat and, uh, guys would throw out ideas and we'd have like a little, every, somebody, somebody had put in their phone if we had like four or five one day and then we'd just keep them in the, 
keep and then obviously uh, during the year you have theme nights like sure. we had uh we played the flames and we lost to them but we had it was star wars night and we had this awesome one for star wars night but then you can't do it because oh, yeah. uh, everybody was that that seemed to happen a lot because so what were some get, of the other ones that you guys had that you couldn't use uh, i'm trying to or maybe you don't want to reveal them because yeah you guys might yeah use i don't know maybe year, yeah maybe i shouldn't but yeah. uh let's it, keep that in the bag that yeah. was the thing though we'd have these really like these ones that we were all super excited about and then we'd lose yeah. and then ones that you you were like okay that's that's cool but i don't know if it's gonna i don't know how good it'll be and then we'd we'd go out and dominate and it's like why are we not doing that for the other ones but yeah it uh and then just like spring training open so then we did baseball and march madness and we did basketball and uh we there we had like a couple curling fans and the briar was on so that's we did curling. beautiful it was that's like, a, a great ode to canada yeah so uh well oh, that's then, what yeah, yeah, yeah i was just that's what i was gonna ask you mark is what was it like seeing the real deal KO Jordan in the celebration? Did you know, did, did did he tell you that was coming? No, we didn't know it was coming. When I seen him come out with boxing gloves and Evander Holyfield's in the building, you kind of figure out what's going to go on. But it was pretty sweet, man. Watch your kid get knocked out by Big Evander. It was, yeah. it was awesome. I was texting, you know, your cousins, uh, Michelle and Ethan, uh, who I did, I think you did the MS yeah, bike tour yeah, with uh, year, young yeah. Ethan Moga. So I was texting him. I'm like, uh, Jordan's getting KO'd by uh, Holyfield. So so how did that one come out? Was that your idea? Like, uh, No, that was Willie too. So I'm, I'm probably one of the, I am the biggest personality in our dressing room. I'm, <laughs> I like to say I had some competition, but we have a pretty quiet room and I'm a pretty big, I'm a, boisterous i don't know i'm not I, I try to keep it within reason but i like to have a lot of fun and willie came up to me he goes hey so um we there's going to be somebody that's going to come in before the game he's going to talk to us and then he's going to be a part of the surge tonight he's like i want you to be the guy that's with him and i i was like okay well what's going on and he goes so well, i'll tell you like after he comes and he did a like a pregame speech yeah, i saw for that us. that was pretty cool eh? yeah yeah that was really cool so he then obviously i seen him walk in i was like oh no <laughs> what? i know exactly what's happening here and he i've i like did drama all through high school and willie willie knew that and he's like okay you you're the guy that's gonna play this up and he's your gonna, high gonna... school drama teacher must be so proud yeah right now he hearing this. yeah i was actually i messaged with him a bunch after it and yeah he, he i still gotta go have a beer with him but uh yeah he was pretty pumped and uh i felt like i played it off pretty good i wish i would have gave him a shot first but everybody's like don't like just be careful, be careful. Yeah, like we don't want him like ice, slipping right? or yeah. anything. And, uh, I thought, I thought I kicked him when I went down. Like if you look at the video, when I fell down, my skate hit him and I was like, so oh. worried. I came off the ice and I was like, are you like, did I cut you? Are you okay? And he goes, no, no, I'm fine. I was like, I kind of wish I cut him. Then I could have said I cut a Vander Holyfield. <laughs> but yeah, that was like, that was a cool one. And that's one I'll never forget. Yeah, that was, uh, I, I, when I was watching, I was like, this is awesome. And, and I think a lot of people really enjoyed it. Not everybody, as we know. Uh, what, what do you, I'm not, I don't watch, I, I used to love Don Cherry. I don't watch him anymore. I think he, anyway, that's a, that's a, that's a different story. He's done a lot of really great things for, uh, Hockey Night in Canada, but, were you watching the uh, coach's corner or how did you find out about a bunch of jerks? Oh, it's just, I think we were in Carolina when that come out, weren't we? When the bunch of jerks come out? Uh, I don't know. No, I don't he, know. no cause he, it was like probably, 
It happened oh, in December. I think. Yeah. No, it was. I watched it on TV. They're Cherry and as there's no room for that in the National Hockey League. They're a bunch of jerks. All he did was make Tom Dundon a pile of money. No kidding. Thirty-five bucks a shirt. There's thirty-five thousand shirts sold all over the world. That's pretty good cash. It was great marketing. Like Don Cherry has no idea. So, what was the reaction of you guys in the uh, dressing room? Does, did you care? No, we didn't care. Uh, <laughs> I I don't know. It's I think it it's it, you don't we weren't really worried about it. I think the time that it like maybe crept in a little bit is obviously we were playing Boston in the Eastern Conference Finals, and as everybody knows, Don Cherry's a huge Boston guy and pretty as is supposed to be pretty even keel with the league but everybody knows he wants boston to win so, or toronto yeah or toronto and uh i think we really wanted to beat boston not just obviously to get into this listen to get into the stanley cup finals is way bigger than trying to yeah. prove don cherry wrong but yeah. i think deep down we wanted to beat beat boston just to kind of give it to him a little bit but obviously that didn't work out and uh we got a few more years. I think that we we're going to be pretty good. So I hopefully. think so. And this has really taken off. And and uh, so you know we were hearing a lot about it in Canada. What was it like down there when this uh, you know Canadian hockey TV icon, which Don Cherry is, rips into what you guys are doing? Did the whole community because uh, the marketing team for you guys is brilliant because yeah. they jumped on that right away? Did the whole hockey community down there be like, let's get behind this and let's really go with this? I think that's probably when. You you could definitely notice the change. We are built like we were. I think at the beginning of the year we we're averaging like twelve five thirteen, and I think when that happened, it kind of you, you could definitely tell. Like our whole lower bowl was sold. Like it was you like a, we were probably like fifteen sixteen some night, and then we'd sell out a few nights, and and then you could just walking around town. There's you could just see like people would have like bunch of jerks on the back, like stickers on the cars, and there'd be just a lot more Carolina stuff cruising around and especially at the middle end of February where we are is March Madness crazy where UNC and Duke everybody's usually on that and to see like obviously it was my first year but just to see how much that we were still impacting the community it was it was a lot it was really cool to see and they they really embraced it. Yeah, it was it was awesome. So that leads us into the stretch drive, the playoff run. You got to go down and uh, spend a little time, and and I'm sure you've done dad's trips and things like that. But what was the uh, what was it like for you guys being in a non traditional hockey market? And I guess Arizona is considered that, but Arizona's um, uh, I don't know. I, I, you can maybe touch on that in a little bit. But what was it like for you, Mark, to be hanging out and enjoying this playoff success that they were having? Oh, it was it's cool down there. Carolina's is probably the friendliest state I've ever been in in my life. And they tailgate. They're crazy partiers down there. The parking lot, they'll be in the parking lot at 1.30 in the afternoon for a 7.30 game. They'll drink all afternoon in the parking lot. <laughs> you just wander around and you meet people and you party. And I had a lot of fun. Carolina's, it's a great state. The great hockey team, great bunch of kids. Like, it's a lot of fun down there. Yeah, the uh, the one thing I will say Americans do is they enjoy sports better than anybody. Like the tailgating at football, um, I'm not sure if, it, but but you mentioned basketball is huge. But the partying and the enjoying and the celebrating of sports in America, it's uh, well, 
I guess there's probably some European soccer fans that could uh, to no, hold a candle too. Yeah. But uh, okay, so let's just compare quickly. Uh, Arizona, Carolina, two non-traditional hockey markets. Uh, are they similar, different? Uh, I'd say they have similarities, but I never won in Arizona. So whenever you win, it's just, it's different. So I think, it, and I, I even I... I followed Arizona still this year. I have a ton of friends on the team, and uh, even there, they were close. So to see towards the end of the year, they had their fans were coming out. So it's it's just different when you win. And I think since we were winning in Carolina and everything, and obviously they hadn't won in the past ten years. So and that's the way. That's why it was the way it was. And when you start winning, everybody gets excited and it turns around. And I, th- I think that's with, with any with any team. Obviously, being from Edmonton, there hasn't been a ton of success here and the fans still stay. But that's just because I feel like we're Canadian. And yeah. there there's not, in the winter, there's not a whole lot other to do. or a whole not, There's not that much other stuff to do rather than watch the Oilers. So uh, in Carolina, you have golf, you have a bunch of other stuff that you can go do instead of watching hockey so yeah i i uh i i you know i remember chatting with cam ward who played uh, obviously there and uh, won the cup against the oilers in in 06 and he was telling me uh, how fun it was so you mentioned like uh when you get to the nhl you'll do everything to stay there when you have a little bit of playoff success i'd imagine it's addictive yeah yeah especially to get as far as we did uh with people not really expecting us to uh, that was a lot of fun, uh, and uh, being, uh, I guess, I had a pretty bad injury, mm-hmm. so I wasn't fully, I was doing everything I could, but I wasn't 100%, and I don't think anybody really is 100%, but I would have liked to have a little more juice than I did, um, so going into next year, obviously I want to stay healthy, and I think if a healthy, me being healthy in playoffs, I felt like I could have made a bigger impact, but uh, yeah, once you get the taste of it, it's so, it's just, I don't know why, why it's so different, but it just, everything just gets so elevated, and it's louder, yeah, it's loud, everything, you touch the puck, you know you're getting hit, and if you see somebody, he can pass it, and 10 seconds later, you're going to go hit him no matter what, it's just, you got to hit everything, and that's I feel like that's why guys get beat up, but it's just so much fun. So you're not really watching now, but when you're in the playoffs, are you watching other games? Or oh, are you yeah, just, yeah, 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 you're into well, especially it, yeah. like when, like when you're on the road, you have it's just you and the guys, and you have uh, kind of like a hang. We always had a hangout room or like a little lounge at the hotel, so you we'd be down there and play poker and watch watch hockey, and because. Once you're when you're in it, you're like trying to fi- figure out who you're gonna play, and you want to see what they're doing. And yeah, it was you were watching, you're staying pretty close. Then. It's it's amazing the injuries that guys play through, and I I don't know if you've even revealed what your injury is. If you don't want to, that that's fine. That's... <laughs> well, I I think it's public knowledge. I it was a core muscle, a double sports hernia surgery. And, uh, uh, my abs had tore off the bone too, so I was. Uh, I was in pretty rough shape. It's amazing that you know you play through it, and you know for you, you're you're you know, you know your son isn't 100. percent Probably all your friends are asking, "What's the injury?" You're trying to figure it out, but what's it like for you watching your son, who is injured, play and and knowing the extent of that injury, and he's still playing hockey. 
Well, you're like, how are you playing in the third round of the playoffs with this injury, kiddo? Like, I don't know how you're doing it. He goes, Tordal's an amazing drug. Okay, so one thing I want to ask you about uh, that was uh, made a lot of headlines was Ovechkin-Snechnikov. What do you think of it? It's, uh, I, Svech is my, my guy. I love him. We, I kind of was, I was like the guy that kind of tried to keep and get him involved and I kind of took him under my wing. So I was very, very hard to see. Um, as it's, uh, everybody knows hockey's a very fast game. Things happen very quick. I obviously wish Ovi would have handled it differently, but in the heat of the moment, things happen. Um, I think Svetch was a willing combatant, I guess you could say. Um, but being 18 and Ovi being whatever, 34 or 35, whatever he is, I think there would have been a better way to handle it, especially because they're both Russian. I feel like they're probably going to sp- see some time together in the next few years on ch- on Russian teams. But um, yeah, I obviously wish he could have handled it differently. Just based, he, he could have. I don't know. It's that's a tough subject, but it is what it is. He they he Svech dropped his gloves too. It would have been def- different if Svech would have kept his gloves on. But right. uh, I think they were both willing, and um, um, Svech definitely got a couple good shots in too before that happened. But um, yeah, you never want to see that, and especially to a guy that I felt uh, pretty close to, and I had a pretty big hand in his year yeah uh, i i was reading about how you kind of helped him along a lot it, you could tell the concern how much you guys cared for that guy by the concern on all the faces in that situation and um yeah listen it's uh you're right heat of the moment stuff happens um th- is that something that you, you you don't fight a lot i'd imagine but is that something you take into consideration of should this guy be fighting me Ah. Uh. It's, I, it happens so fast, yeah, right? Yeah. Like you're not thinking. You're not. It's not like you have time to say, "Hey, you ready over there? You ready over here? Yeah. We'll go." It's just a bang, bang game. And obviously, it's the game's changed. It's not like it used to be where guys would drop them and square. The broad street bullies that your dad was a fan yeah, of, right? Yeah, the guys wouldn't drop the gloves at one end and square off and skate around to the other end. It's. I don't think that ha- that maybe happens. I got you could probably count it on your hands yeah, how many rare, times yeah. it happens a year and most of the fights are there's a big hit or guys are just trying to change they'll drop them right off a face off or something it's not no, not really squaring up it's just you grab them and go and I feel like in that situation with Svetch it I think they were both obviously we were giving it to Washington a little bit Ovi's trying to change maybe the momentum a little bit and you could tell he was really upset too. Even after it, he was like a non-factor that game. He was pretty worked up about it. Yeah. You could you could even see it on his face that he knew that he probably shouldn't have done that. And he can't even his interview after the game. He was really you could tell he was worked up. But I think that for us, we nobody was gonna go fight him. But we were just we're everybody knew when he was on the ice, and Be if you had the chance him, yeah. to hit him, you hit him. So. It's funny, the uh, 04, 05 World Junior, the one in North Dakota, 
you know, one of the te- the players on that team said, to, Brent Sutter said, just, you know, we're going to hit that guy every chance, right? And they knocked him out of the game. They yeah. just, you know, that's how he, he, it's not that he shies away from it, mm-hmm. but, uh, okay, so you love Carolina. You signed a two-year deal with the Canes in January. Are you active in that stuff, or is that mostly like, hey, just let me know what the, the, the end thing is, and I'll say yes or no, or how does it work? I feel like you're always a little bit active. You, uh one side starts at one end and one side starts at the other. And then I guess you'd find a meeting point, but, uh, yeah, it's, uh, I have an awesome agent. Me and him are really good friends. And, uh, whenever he, they would talk, he'd call and give me the kind of the lowdown on what happened or what was said. And then, yeah, it, uh, it happened two days after my son was born. So that was a pretty good week for me. <laughs> that is awesome. Yeah. Um, let's go, let's go there right now. Cause I wanted to, uh, to ask, ask you about that becoming a dad and becoming a grandpa. Um, it's, my third one. it's your third one. All right. So you got some catching up to do then. Uh, first of all, tell me, you know, I I've heard from so many people that, um, you know, playing in the NHL is great, but having a, a child is, is once in, well, not once in a lifetime, but a different kind of thing. And they they feel that they become a different person, and it maybe sometimes affects them because it makes them a better player. Is there something to that? I yeah, I definitely think there is. I your kind of outlook on everything changes. Um, I felt like I become a better. I became a better teammate uh, after. Well, even when my wife was pregnant, I just I'd always think like okay if I uh, what would I want my kid to do like or how would I want my kid to act and I feel like they that can kind of change your outlook on everything and obviously when he was born um, you're not just supporting yourself and your wife you're you gotta you're supporting somebody else and you're trying to keep (laughs) you're you gotta be in charge of another person so um, it uh, definitely you lose a little bit of sleep but then um, then when he, his first game, when I was warming up, my wife brought him to the glass. Like that, just that's probably one of the that's one of my favorite hockey moments. Probably right there, seeing my my son at the rink, and I'm looking forward to probably a year, two years from now, having him rip around the dressing room and crawling all over the place. That'll be really cool. Well, we saw how uh, the the relationship between Patrick Maroon and his son uh, while he was in Edmonton, and it is a special bond when you see that in the corner. Um, you know, Jordan having his uh, first son, and even though it's your third grandchild, it's uh, pretty special for you and uh, for for you to uh, look forward to years growing up with your grandson watching him play in the NHL. Yeah, I hope so. I hope both my grandsons play in the NHL. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Father's Day. Uh, this interview will come out just after Father's Day. Um, you know, what's uh, Father's Day uh, mean? Uh, let's start with you, Jordan. You're a father now, but uh, what what is your dad meant to you in your uh, your journey to the NHL? I I can't say enough about him. Um, all the work that he did. He obviously had to. He worked in the oil patch, so he was away a lot, but he he worked for me obviously he he worked as hard as he could so I could do everything that I wanted to do and um I can't uh can't thank him enough it's uh you realize at at the time when I'm a snot-nosed 14 year old kid uh, I don't probably I probably didn't thank him enough as I should but um obviously him my mom my sister are 
the reason I'm where I'm at today, um, all the time and effort they put into everything. And when he wasn't working, he'd be at the rink. And um, yeah, it's uh, a lot, of, a lot of respect, a lot of love for for him and my my mom and my sister. When you have to be away at times, and you know, listen, now you have uh, friends in the oil patch and shift work and different things, and it's hard for the they miss things. What were the dad's trips like? You've gone on a couple of dad's trips. Uh, does that, uh, w- when you think about those, does it make up for some of the time away uh, when, as he was growing up? You get to enjoy the time now? Oh, yeah, the dad's trips are great. The dads in in Arizona were great. The dads in Carolina are spectacular. We had a lot of fun this year. Craig Williams, Bob McGinn, them two are off the wall. Does Rod Brindamore hang out with you guys? No. No. No, Roddy don't hang out with us. We'll see him at the games and stuff, but other than that, no. And it's party time. The dads are on their own. (laughs) It's like, uh, remember when you were a kid, you'd be dads would all disappear or moms they'd go to the hospitality rooms, right? Is that what they do on the road now? Is like the hospital, they get together in the hospitality rooms? Uh, it's not hospitality rooms, it's bars and... Sweets. Yeah. Sweets at the High game. rollers, eh? Oh, yeah. yeah. We we get treated very, very well on those dad's trips. Oh, that's awesome. It's that... a stressful time for me when Is he's it? on a dad's trip. Is it? Well, he's he's wants to be the life of the party. Like you, and, right? Yeah, I guess I come by it honestly, but I feel like I'm a little more responsible than this guy is. <laughs> okay. Well, we won't, I don't want to get anybody in, in trouble, but it, it has to be fun for that. To, what is it, like a, a week that they're probably with you, five days? Yeah, this, the one in Carolina was, so in Arizona, we'd always do a home game and then one road game, and it was kind of a one-night thing. And with Carolina, we did two road games. So uh, that was cool because he gets, like, more of the – uh, I, when they come and visit during the year, they get to see what we do at home. It's not, and they go to the games no matter what. It's not like anything special. You you eat, you sleep, and you go play. It's mm-hmm. and uh, on the on the road is just a lot more fun. And I the think, plane, yeah, the plane. I think he he enjoyed the Carolina one more just because you're you get to go. We had a one team dinner and then one, uh, one off night was on our own. So I got to take him out to one of the nicest steakhouses in Dallas and show him, show him a good, good time there. And then, yeah, it was, it was a lot of fun this year. What the boys went to bed and the dads went partying. I think we got back to the hotel. It was about two in the morning. And And we always share a room. I don't know if that's going to happen. Oh yeah. He stays with you. Yeah. We share a room. You get a choice. If you want to share, you can buy your dad a room and next year you'll be buying. I, I don't know. I, I, but he's always, it's funny, he always sneaks back in at like two or three in the morning and he thinks he's being quiet and then he'll like bang into something and then I'll <laughs> I'll be awake, but I won't tell him I'm awake because then he'll start talking to me. And then all of a sudden he hits the pillow and it's just like, <sighs> and I'm like, no, because <laughs> then I got to got to battle the snoring to get back to sleep. Oh, uh, so it's like role reversal. It's like when when he was like 15 or 16 maybe trying to sneak in around 2 in the morning and making noise, right? Is that what it is? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. He turns uh, into the dad and I turn into the kid. Yeah, that's exactly what happens. I was a lot more quiet coming home though. I was very sneaky. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> but he gets a year off this year. It's mom's trip this year. Oh, it up. is. Yeah. And I think that's spectacular. Has she gone on one before? No. No. Oh wow. So what is she a big hockey fan too? Like uh like the typical hockey mom? No, she's a Jordy fan. She's not a hockey fan. She's a Carolina fan. Yeah. She obviously she she doesn't miss a game. Um but yeah, it's 
she if if we're not playing, she's not watching other right, games. Right, so, right, right. Uh, yeah, she's she's a she's a Jordy fan and a Hurricane fan. That's for sure. More a Jordy fan. <laughs> Very good. Uh, so I want to ask. I always uh, find it interesting asking professional athletes. How do you handle social media? Are you on it much during the season? How do you filter out? Because listen, somebody asked me one time, why do I block people on uh, Twitter? And I said. If somebody walks up to you on the corner and starts yelling, whether they're being racial or homophobic or just telling you that you're trash, are you going to stand there and listen to them? No, you're probably going to walk away. And so that's why I use the block button. But I'm not a professional uh, athlete. And, you know, what's what's social media like for you? Uh, I keep my Instagram and Facebook pretty private. I feel like that's just uh, that's something I want for myself mm-hmm. and especially with having like my son now, I don't, I feel like I want to keep him kind of smart pri- private and, um, Twitter. I've felt like I've tried to be more, uh, more engaging. I obviously did the, our cup confidential this year in Carolina. And, uh, that was, that was a pretty big hit. So I feel I'm trying to be, I have never been a big Twitter or tweeter. I don't know what you say. <laughs> uh, uh, so I'm trying to, I guess build it a little more and uh, trying to get engage a little more with the fans and. But some um, of it you don't want. Uh, I yeah, some of it you don't want, but I find some of it funny. Oh uh, yeah. After game seven, I me and Orpic kind of got tied up, and I guess I, everybody said it was a little dirty, but the ref came up to me and he goes, ah, I've not got no problem with it. But after the game, I was getting a bunch of stuff from the Washington fans and. Uh, I kept liking them and that just, <laughs> I just like everything that they're bad that they were saying about me because obviously we won. So you're in yeah. a better mood and uh, that, <laughs> that, that obviously didn't make people happy and they kept going and going, but it dies down and, but you got to pick your spots. Yeah. Is it, do you see the negativity? Are you on social media much more? Oh yeah. I'm on Facebook all the time. So it's, it's, it can't be easy to. You know, here and listen. Like uh, sometimes you could just block it out and say, "Well, whatever." But sometimes it's not fun to read negative stuff. It's not fun, but it comes with the territory. I guess, There's nothing you gotta you have can pretty do about thick it. skin. You yeah. gotta have thick skin. I whatever. It's. I feel like if they went after my it, like as me it as hockey, personal, me right? and, as a hockey player, I'm not. I don't really care i'm gonna play my way no matter what i don't care what you say about me but if they came after my family i feel like that's when i draw the line that's why i kind of keep the two separate i think that's a good idea okay so that leads me to asking you trash talking is there a line on the ice um like is there a line you won't go past but others will like i i think the same parameters apply I think you should stay away from a guy's family, but there's some hockey players that I've talked to that say, no, the the wives are fair game. And some of the stuff that's said that I've been told is not nice at all. But what, what do you think there should be a line in trash? Are you a big trash talker? Are you a big chirper? I not really. I, I try and just, I play hard. So that's, I feel like if, if I, somebody says something to me, I'm going to say something back. It's just uh, human nature, but there's definitely guys that, I guess, take it further than others, but it's just, I guess, feel, I feel like, I guess if somebody came after my wife or my kid, then obviously I'd, I don't know if I'd chirp back, I'd probably go and try and fight them, but uh, that's just, that's just, I don't know, it's, it's a tough, tough subject to really get into, it's, you gotta, it's everybody's the same thing applies, right? you gotta have thick skin, and um, yeah, it's, it's whatever. 
All right. Uh, I was looking online, and uh, you've done uh, a lot of different charity work. Uh, you're in, as mentioned, the MS uh, bike tour. Uh, your grandfather passed away of MS? Yeah. So that's why, uh, obviously, it's a big thing for you. You had a big bowling night in Arizona. Uh, that looked like it was a lot of fun. Yeah. Uh, what are you doing in Carolina? Uh, I haven't really got into anything in Carolina. I, uh, I actually just finished uh, a Sunday. The, I kind of partnered a little bit with the Canadian Brew House, um, and we had their, they had their golf tournament uh, sort of associated with me. And I got a bunch of silent auction items for them, and we raised all the money for the Edmonton Down Syndrome Society. Nice. So um, I guess since I didn't do as much as I wanted to in Carolina, I tried to do that this year. And, uh, yeah, that was my my mom for how many years now? Probably 30. At least. Yeah, know. 30 has worked with uh, adults with development disabilities. So I feel like that's just hits close to home. Um, I've been around it since I was a baby. Um, she's been there ever, ever since I was born, she's been working in that field. So, uh, it's just something that I'm passionate about. And if I can help any way I can, then I will. And, um, yeah, it was, it was a no brainer when I got asked to kind of partner with the brew house there. Oh, that's fantastic. Mark, I'll give you the last word. Uh, when do you remember thinking, my son has a uh, a pretty good future in in hockey here. This could be something pretty special. And you know, what's it like uh, as we just passed Father's Day to see uh, your son as an NHL player? Give me the your prospect or your perspective on those two things. When I first thought that he could make it was his second year junior in Vancouver. When you score 40 goals in the WHL, it's you think, yeah, maybe this kid might just do it. But when he was two years old, he'd walk, run around the house with mini sticks and a roll and a roll of socks, and he'd, Dad, Jordy, play NHL, Jordy, play NHL. And then as he grew up, it was like, man, he's pretty good. Like, yeah, you never know what might happen. But yeah, it was the second year of junior when scouts are coming to the house and talking to you, and things are going through your head. Like, yeah, this kid's good enough to maybe make it. But when he scored the shorthanded goal in L.A. is when I knew he was going to make the Coyotes. That was the deal breaker. But I, I had played eight games the year before. Yeah, but to make the opening day roster, that was the deal breaker. And he, he always was a good hockey player. He was probably top three on his team all the time. And he had a girlfriend. His girlfriend wanted to go party. He's like, no, I can't go party. I got to work out tomorrow and I got to skate. And she goes... You're going to pick hockey over me. And all he said was, yeah, see ya. And that was Good it choice. for her. And now he's got a beautiful wife, a great, beautiful beautiful son. Like, he's got life by the ass. I hope I can say that. But <laughs> You can say anything you yeah, want. Yeah, like, he's he's got a great life. And he looks after his dad. He gets some tickets. And he's kind of like a dad to me when I'm down there. Because I kind of turn into a kid when I go watch the games. And... I have a lot of fun. Like I'm out in the parking lot tailgating with the fans and lots of them know who I am and they're come on in, have a beer, have a hot dog, have a hamburger. And like all the other parents kind of stay in the little roped off area for the parents and the wives and I go party with the fans. That's where all the fun is. Beautiful. Mark Jordan, thank you so much for uh, stopping by today and uh, have a great summer and enjoy uh, Carolina and uh, thanks very much. Yeah, thanks. Thank you. 
Perry's Discount Sex Shop. We're at the corner of Libido and Cleavage. Kidding. First of May, come down see me. Ask for Harry. I'm the guy with a snake on his face. I love you. From SCTV to the big screen. <laughs> wow. <laughs> John Candy was a comedic legend. Buck melanoma. Molly Russell's wart. Oh, oh, that feels good. Oh, God, I'm telling you, my dogs are barking today. We now celebrate another great John Candy character. I like me. My wife likes me. My customers like me. Because I'm the real article. What you see is what you get. All right, we uh, interrupt this John Candy character segment to bring you not breaking news because you're listening to a podcast, but this just came down as I'm recording this. The Winnipeg Jets have traded Jacob Truba, defenseman, restricted free agent, to the New York Rangers, and in return they get uh, right-handed defenseman Neil Pionk, uh, who is an RFA as well, and the 20th overall pick in the 2019 draft, which was originally theirs. They gave it to... New York in the Kevin Hayes deal. So I, uh, on the, on the surface, I'm not getting a lot of positivity from my, uh, jet fans, buddies. Pionk came up, uh, split two years ago with Hartford and, uh, the, uh, New York Rangers. And, uh, you know, last year was actually pretty productive for a while. I was looking at, uh, almost picking him up in fantasy hockey at one point as a depth defenseman at 26 points in 73 games. But a lot of that was early in the season. Uh, Truba was going to cost a little bit of money, uh, you know, and and there was people that are saying uh, um, he didn't want to stay in Winnipeg, so this was inevitable. Uh, Pierre LeBrun reporting that J- the New York Rangers were uh, front runners for Jacob Truba this whole time, and so they were uh, in that. And then the Eric Carlson um, a deal goes down, and there you go, more deals to come, hopefully as uh, the draft gets closer on uh, Friday. So Jacob Truba is now a member of, or his rights, rather, were acquired by the New York Rangers. He is an RFA. And, you know, Kevin Sheveldayoff says we've got a lot of balls in the air. Maybe getting their own pick back. Maybe are they making an offer sheet on somebody? We'll have to see. So anyway, uh, let's get back to uh, John Candy characters, shall we? My name's Dewey Oxberger. My friends call me Ox. This is the movie Stripes. John Candy as uh, Dewey Ox Oxberger. Not a leading role, maybe third or fourth on the list behind Bill Murray, Harold Ramis, etc. Still has some good scenes, though. Uh, this is directed by Ivan Reitman of Ghostbusters fame, who he would go on to do with uh, Harold Ramis and, and Bill Murray as well. And this is the 12th movie that John Candy made in his career. And at to date, it was probably the biggest, uh, you know, it at that point in his career. Um, you uh, you first meet John Candy in this movie at uh, the bus station. And this is about uh, guys enlisting in the army and going through training. So uh, everybody's showing up to go to basic training in uh, some bus station. And uh, here's uh, John Candy's entrance into this movie. I hope we don't go to war. Excuse me, stewardess. Is there a movie on this flight? <laughs> bus. A movie on this flight. <laughs> There's that famous uh, John Candy laugh. Uh, by the way, John Candy going into the York Hall of Fame. I uh, watched a little program interview with his uh, son and daughter on uh, CTV a little while ago. So congratulations to the Candy family. 
the long hair comes off as they go to uh, basic training. John Candy has pretty good one-liners every once in a while. They're uh, they're mud wrestling at a bar uh, where he wins by taking all their tops off, and uh, he he's like battling for a long time. Um, otherwise, he would he would have lost for sure. That's that's how he won. His quote was, "I used to wrestle in high school, and I used to lose." And then there was uh, there's another uh, kind of a funny scene where uh, the bus finally arrives at uh, the army barracks. Oh, this is the mess hall. How's it going, Eisenhower? He's pretty heroic. He breaks down the door uh, when they're imprisoned. Uh, they end up in Czechoslovakia. It's it's a great movie. And then at the end. They do something neat with the credits where kind of like a where are they now? And uh, he ends up on the cover of Tiger Beat. It's like win a date with Ox, a super love and kisses issue. And some interesting names in this other than Bill Murray and Harold Ramis. Sean Young as Louise. Judge Reinhold is in it. John Larroquette. Bill Paxton was in it as soldier number eight. It's not a big role. If you watch closely, you'll see Joe Flaherty as a border guard in Czechoslovakia. Dave Thomas, another SCTV alumnus as an MC in the movie. It's definitely worth it. It's a hilarious movie, even though John Candy's not the biggest star, but it's worthy of definitely watching. And that has been another John Candy character, Dewey Ox Oxberger from Stripes. Oh, that's hot. That's hot. What's hot right now? Hansel. So hot right now. Hansel. Let's explore and cool of the week. Very well. Where do I begin? Going with a movie for Cool of the Week. This is just something that, uh, you know, something new to me or uh, maybe new to everybody. And this one is uh, fairly new. It's the movie Shaft, the 2019. I didn't even know they were making a Shaft movie. Of course, there's the original Shaft with Richard Roundtree. More on him in a second. And then Samuel L. Jackson and Christian Bale made a Shaft movie in the early 2000s. And now, 2019 is another Shaft movie. And again, you will see Richard Roundtree in it. You will see Samuel L. Jackson, Jackson, and Jesse Usher as John J.J. Shaft III, who's an FBI agent and son of Shaft, and things happen. And at first I was like, Usher is in this movie? Oh, that's interesting. I'm like, I don't think that's the Usher I'm thinking about. But I will say this. It's not a deep movie. Uh, I don't think you're going to come out of there uh, you know, thinking like Socrates about things. But it's a mindless, action, funny, few one-liners movie. And, and uh, I love the original Shaft in the 70s. I didn't watch the sequels, but I watched the uh, the original, and I could watch Samuel L. Jackson play Shaft, the character, on like a 24-hour stream. Like, I think Samuel L. Jackson is in the top three list of coolest guys ever. Look at all the cool characters he's played. And he makes fun of himself in this movie a little bit, too. Uh, Richard Roundtree is the original Shaft. He shows up in this movie as well. And then uh, Shaft Jr., and there's a pretty good cast as uh, well. Regina Hall is in it. Uh, she is uh, she's very funny. Uh, Method Man is in it as well. So uh, it's a it's a pretty decent movie. Like I said, it's not a uh, if you if you're looking for a deep movie, uh, this is not going to be it. But uh, I enjoyed uh, the role of Samuel L. Jackson. I enjoy the story. Uh, there's some good catchphrases in it of course and uh, yeah it's uh you know i think you could probably figure out the plot as you go it took me about uh, 25 minutes to figure out what was going to happen but still an enjoyable movie i uh if you're looking for some good action with some good one-liners i, uh, I recommend shaft as my cool of the week
Sports and More podcast with Dean Millard. That is the huge song from Sweet Bejesus as we roll into our final segment here on the Sports and More podcast. You can hear Christian Gutzis and Kevin Dabbs of Sweet Bejesus on uh, iTunes, Apple Music. Uh, check them out. Finally, we wrap things up today with the Obscenely Rich list. Uh, this is just something that I would do if I was obscenely rich. And you know, I like to help people. Uh, this is something I would do. I would, uh, I would certainly have a lot of money on hand in random instances for random acts of kindness. That's Rack, R-A-K. I had to ask that on uh, the chive once. But anyway, I would uh, have a boatload of cash on hand if I ever saw one. But I would go rack hunting. I would go around and just study people in a public place. And if somebody did something nice for somebody else, I would walk up and give them $500. Open a door for a lady, here's $500. Help a... a uh, a grandmother carry her groceries, a mother with a child, and anything you do that is nice, buy somebody's car. I don't know. I would just have money on hand to hand out is uh, like, here, you you did a nice thing for that mother that was trying to get the uh, baby carriage put away in the parking lot. Here's a thousand bucks. I would just have a guy on hand, give him a thousand bucks. My assistant, give him a thousand bucks. Every, uh, random acts of kindness equals money. So that would maybe encourage more people to do acts of kindness if they think there's some guy walking around with 500 bucks in his pocket to give you for holding the door open for somebody. You know, you know the the more uh, kinder the gesture, maybe the more money it would create. So that's on my obscenely rich list, and that's going to wrap up the show. Really big thanks to Mark and Jordan Martinuk, who uh, came out to uh, St. Albert to record with me uh, last week. It was a fun, fun conversation, and uh, I'm a big fan of the bunch of jerks. I do have a Jordan Martinuk jersey that I uh, picked up from Pro-Am Sports. It's the replica Whalers jersey, so the next time I see him, I'll have to get a picture with him with it. And a uh, big thanks to Jack Cookson for Pro-Am Sports. Uh, just a phenomenal shop. Uh, close to St. Albert, I went and picked it up, and they got some cool stuff. So big thanks to Jack at Pro-Am Sports for getting me the Martinuk 48 retro Whalers jersey, and thanks to Mark and Jordan Martinuk for joining me in the marsh on this episode of Sports and More. We'll talk to you again next week. The Cannabis 101 podcast featuring Riley Cote uh, comes out on Wednesday. And earlier today, the Prospects Baseball Show featured Matt Stairs. So it's Pro Athlete Week on Podcast Alley. Thanks so much for listening. Playtime is over. Sun